Let's talk about your next patient. Yeah. A 60-year-old woman who was a waitress and sole provider for her four kids. And in July of 2009, she presented with worsening dyspnea, was found to have a large right proximal lung mass and bulky mediastinal adenopathy, and had a surgical biopsy consistent with small cell lung cancer. Staging ultimately turned out to have limited disease and went on to receive four cycles of platinum and etoposide and concurrent thoracic radiotherapy. She had a very good partial response, had a small residual mass that was three centimeters after chemo radiation and brain MRI negative. But unfortunately, on her first surveillance imaging three months later, had new reticular nodular densities in both her lungs and some intra-abdominal adenopathy, soft tissue disease, and brain MRI had diffuse metastatic disease. And at the time, she had fatigue, though no other focal symptoms, and has subsequently gone on to receive two cycles of platinum and aronotecan with slight improvement or disease. And we are seeing her sort of intercurrent in her second-line chemotherapy. So interesting, Neil, when we talked about her this morning, one of the things I was struck by was that you chose not to give her prophylactic cranial radiation. You went ahead and got an MRI that was clear, and then just three months later, she presents with widespread metastatic disease in the brain, which you kind of wonder how much reassurance you get from a negative MRI yeah. when that happens. I mean, yeah. it really it comes back to kick you yeah. in that setting. Tom, how do you approach the issue of PCI, and do you think you might have thought about it for this lady? Well, it's funny, because we talked about it this morning. I do PCI for limited stage and for selected extensive stage. We did talk about it this morning, and one of the concerns that we have with brain radiation, and I think I really feel this way, particularly about adenocarcinomas that have brain meds, is whole brain radiation can be associated with cognitive decline, as we talked about. And I think the way you give it and the timing of it's very important. I think that what no one has ever looked at is the strategy that Neil looked at here, which is doing very close surveillance MRIs. And in a eight-week to 12-week period, you're able to pick up the lesions. She went on and had radiation, has done very well neurologically. She's doing very well in that setting. But it does bring up the question of how you balance her quality of life in terms of her cognitive issues with optimal treatment of a tumor. It's always a challenging problem. As Dr. Lynch has mentioned, I think it's a moving target in the era of availability of MRI scans and stereotactic radiosurgery, whether we can be more judicious with the cranial radiation. I know that's contrary to the available evidence. For Neil Love's standpoint, with two Neils, I have to be careful. <laughs> For Neil Love's standpoint, one of the interesting things is I've been in a number of meetings with companies that are developing drugs for small cell, and they've questioned how can we incorporate this drug if we have to give PCI? And what I've been struck by, Neil, is how many practitioners have said, you know, guys, we don't give PCI quite as often as the people sitting in the academic centers think you give PCI. And I think that this patient is a good example of that in this setting. And it probably shouldn't necessarily be a barrier to developing novel agents in small cell lung cancer. The other thing I was impressed by, Neil, when we saw her was that her functional status was excellent after having second-line therapy. I was also interested that you gave her irenotecan with platinum again. And we talked about this with other patients, the idea of going back to platinum so soon after having had prior platinum. A lot of folks might have just given irenotecan or just given topotecan. What do you think about going back to platinum again? I have to admit probably some naivete and probably some extrapolation from 
taking care of colon cancer patients where 5-FU is a synergistic drug that we use in multiple lines of chemotherapy while swapping out additional agents. And at the time she recurred, she responded to platinum-containing chemotherapy with her initial treatment. And she had an excellent performance status and was in a precarious situation. And so I felt a little more comfortable giving her both agents what I would perceive to hopefully be more effective therapy, although... Again, I think... And it's worked. She's had a nice response. She feels well. And her functional status, I was incredibly impressed with. For a woman who's been through aggressive treatment for limited stage small cell and then had a massive relapse, ended up getting radiation and more cycles of platinum and arenotecan, she really did look very good. If I could get your perspective, I've been using the lower-dose weekly platinum arenotecan small cell regimen as opposed to the Japanese high-dose day one platinum Day one and eight, Arona Tcan, and I don't know if you have any preferences or perspectives on how you use that combination. Well, Arena Tcan, I think, is an interesting drug because there's so many different ways that people give it. You have the European way of giving it as a large bolus in day one of every 21 days versus other ways of giving it weekly, four out of six weeks. I tend to like the weekly approach, particularly in second line. When comorbidities are higher, I think that that actually becomes an interesting problem. I also think that you did what I do often off-protocol in small cell is substitute irenotecan for topotecan. So even though the best data is with topotecan, very few of us actually use topotecan in second line because of the myelosuppression and the fact that to use it according to the label, it's five days that you've got to come in for intravenous infusion. So I think many people have done exactly what you do in this situation, Neil, is to use irenotecan in place of that. I guess one of the questions is, what will the drug amrubicin do? Amrubicin is one that we're really pretty excited about in previously treated small cell, and we're really waiting on what that data compared to topotecan will look like in the previously treated setting. I think the one thing she shows are, one, she had a good response initially, which was great, but she recurred relatively quickly, which, yes, it's greater than 90 days, but it's still right about that 90-day mark, and you worry about what that could mean to her prognostically. Right. right. Any other new agents or strategies being looked at or encouraging in small cell, Tom? It seems like not too much is happening. I'm not sure why that is, whether maybe there's not that much research going on or it's just a resistant disease. I think it's a tough disease. I think that not a lot's happened since the 70s when etoposide platinum has been discovered. I think irenotecan and topotecan offer additional options. I think paclitaxel offers a different option. And I think that we all have patients with extensive stage small cells, some who can percolate along for a couple of years, and we find they respond to a lot of different drugs. But Neil, to answer your question, there's not a lot. Amrubicin is the only drug, picoplatin didn't pan out in small cell. Amrubicin is the only drug that's fairly far along. I think what small cell may be is a disease ripe for molecular profiling. I remember when I was a fellow, we always used to root that a patient would get small cell rather than non-small cell. Now we root they get adenocarcinoma because there's many more molecular phenotypes we can look at. And hopefully, as we more broadly molecularly phenotype cancers, we'll at least get some hints in small cell of avenues that might be potent for investigation as we go forward. I'd just be curious to get Dr. Lynch's input on duration of therapy in small cell. seems like that's been well worked out in non-small cell and your thoughts about that. And I think, Neil, as you saw today when we met her, I think that what you did with her I thought was terrific. I mean, you basically involved her in the decision-making about how much more therapy she should get. And I think that made a big difference to her. I think that you said, okay, you've had four cycles, and now we can decide whether or not to keep going or whether or not to interject a pause. And I think what you saw from her was the desire that if it's still helping the tumor, 
she wanted to keep going. In terms of evidence base, I think we treat until either progression or lack of tolerance, but that's not a firm evidence base. And I think that as you demonstrated so nicely when we saw her, that the patient's preference does have a lot to do with what we end up doing. When you're treating with a combination, I think you're going to be limited by toxicity. When you're treating with a single agent, if you're using single agent arena TCAN, as you know better than I do in colorectal cancer, you can treat patients for months and months and months. And if you treat with a single agent, maybe you could get a longer duration of therapy. But I don't think there's any magic to this. I think it's exactly what you did in clinic. It's a question of seeing her and tailoring the therapy for her. What's her family situation, Neil? While her children are grown, she still remains involved in taking care of the grandkids. I think she's still a financial support for her kids, and she has a pretty emotionally dependent husband whose battle with Meniere's disease sometimes eclipses her needs with metastatic small cell lung cancer and brain metastases.